edify means to enlighten, encourage, and uplift individuals, intellectually, morally, and spiritually. That's exactly what our Edify podcast guests do, as they share practical wisdom on living our faith in public. I'm Mary Fiorito. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome to the Edify podcast. Our guest today is Teresa Farnan, an author and moral philosopher who specializes in moral education, human dignity, disabilities, gender and sexuality, and ethical issues facing the family. Dr. Farnan is the co-founder of the Person and Identity Project, an initiative of the Ethics and Public Policy Center, which offers much needed resources and guidance on education issues for parents, teachers, schools, and churches. Welcome, Teresa. Thank you for having me. So Teresa, part of your many areas of expertise is education, particularly government or public education. Why is this particular um, group within the educational sphere in the United States, this education establishment in government schools, why are they so afraid of parents becoming more involved? Well, the, to, to really answer that question, you have to look back at the history of education in the United States. And the father of the modern education in the United States is John Dewey, who was also a progressive philosopher. His educational theory was that once the child crosses over into the public school, the parents are displaced as the primary educator and the public school takes over. And the whole point of education is to form students, children, into the kind of citizens that the government decides it wants. Right. And so this issue for for so long, there wasn't a lot of conflict between parents and educators because we shared a common Christian culture. As that's broken down, as the family has broken apart, you're beginning to see these cracks in our culture, these these a breakdown of communication, a lack of shared values. And what you're beginning to see is the acceleration of the public schools insisting, hey, we're the primary educators of these children. Mm -hmm. And when there's a conflict between parents and public schools, the public schools have the courts on their side, they have the education establishment on their side, they have history on their side, and parents, frankly, feel rather powerless. So in the last, in the last two years since the onset of the COVID pandemic, we've really seen this this accelerate as the, sh the prolonged shutdowns, the different requirements surrounding COVID, all which were tailored for the benefit of union workers and teachers, faculty and staff, and not necessarily for children, and which f flew in the face of what our, um, our uh, peer countries were doing in Europe, for example. Um, what, we, what has become evident to parents is that public schools right now exists to serve their employees mm -hmm. and they exist to serve the interests of the government. And that's not necessarily the same thing as existing to serve the interests of your children. And the teachers union. And the teachers union. So it, it seems, I certainly I know in some of the big cities after COVID, it was the teachers unions that were calling the shots, not the parents about what was best for their kids during that whole awful period of remote learning. Right, and it seemed that the more disadvantaged the community, the more likely there would be prolonged shutdowns so that the very kids who needed to be in school and who needed to have extra remedial instruction or they needed that structure, educational structure to continue to get ahead, they were, they're, they're, they've been harmed in, in ways that I think are only becoming, it's irreparable. Yeah. We're only beginning to appreciate how bad it was. Well, what are some of the warning signs 
that parents should look for that a teacher or a school is teaching this left-leaning propaganda? I think you have to start by asking to see the curriculum. And when you ask to see the curriculum, your teacher will send home sort of the official book, but ask to see the other teaching resources. And when you begin to see um, obstacles, when you begin to see a teacher who's reticent about sharing things, when your child comes home and brings in uh, resources that are outside of the regular textbook, that's when your, you, you, your alarms should register, so to speak, and you should really start to have some questions. And then beyond that, you just need to have an open line of communication with your children about what's being taught in their classroom. And I can't stress enough, I think as parents, we have to be completely upfront in age-appropriate ways with our kids about what is being taught and why it is harmful. Mm -hmm. And let your kids know that when you are concerned about this, you have their interest at heart. And it's always a delicate balance because you know, right. if you've got kids in middle school, they don't want you to embarrass them, mm -hmm. right? And so they need, to, they need your assurance that you're going to be fighting for them, but in a way that's not going to embarrass them, that's not going to hurt them. But ultimately, you need to let them know that, that you are going to um, hold the line for their education. Yeah. Well, I mean, we had something like this. My youngest child went to public school for one year just for kindergarten because we figured, you know, what can they do in kindergarten that would be damaging? And unfortunately, we came to learn that one of the things they were doing was reading Heather Has Two Mommies and other, you know, propaganda books in that uh, vein. And this was well before the Obergefell case. So this was before same-sex marriage. Um, had uh, become a you know a national norm in the United States, and uh, I remember you know I confronted the teacher directly, um, and I said you know this is I, I don't appreciate that she was read this book without my knowledge without my consent. I said this is not what our family believes, and now you've put her in conflict with me because now I have to tell her no your teacher is wrong, and I don't I don't want that for you. I don't want it for me. I, I want us to be you know. Um, on the same page. And I don't want my daughter to think that the teacher could be wrong about anything. I want her to look up to you. And she was very hostile with me and told me that there were same-sex families in the school system. And therefore, that's why they made it, you know. I said, but, you know, my daughter immediately went to, well, where does the, tum the baby go in the dad's tummy? And where, you know, mm -hmm. she, I said questions that we were totally unprepared for her asking us when she was five years old. So how, I mean, it, I, we had a very sort of icy relationship after that, unfortunately. I mean, what would you advise? Do you go to the administration first then, or do you go to the teacher? How, what's the most effective way to raise a concern? I always think you go to the teacher first, but you better be prepared to go to the administration and then to the school board. And and I have to say, the as you're navigating these issues with your kids, you, you do need to be paying attention to what, what the... Um, what is in the, the school handbook and the policies. Because a lot of times you'll see things written into the handbook or the policy, whether it's with their gender identity policy or their policies concerning um, uh, school-based health clinics. You'll see things that are written in there that should should cause you to have your, you know, to register alarm mm -hmm. about what's going on. And so you need to, and, and, and in addition, pay attention to your state laws. So for example, Illinois 
New Jersey and California all mandate the teaching of LGBT history in the classroom, in their history books, right? So you're, no matter who you have as teacher, that's being pushed in as part of the curriculum. And it's not even anything that the teacher can do. This is a, a statewide policy. And that's what's so alarming for parents. It's one of the reasons why I've been very insistent in saying, hey, we've got to help families find a better way because right now, the public education establishment is, I think, suffering um, ideological capture in a sense where everybody is all on the same page pushing these ideologies that are um, antithetical to Christianity. Well, one of the biggest you know, examples of this is would be in Florida, right, where Governor DeSantis has been in a big battle with Disney over the Florida Parental Rights Act which as I understand it, forbid teachers from talking about sexual orientation and things like gender identity to kids who are in that K through three um, part of their elementary school education. So pre-middle school, um, you know, children who are not well formed or wouldn't have any idea um, or really any reason to bring up questions like that. I would think developmentally, it, it seems so. It seems to me to be a very reasonable bill. It was banned, sorry, it was uh, misnamed by the media as the Don't Say Gay bill. And Disney took a massive financial hit, as I understand it, for their bizarre activism on this. And some teachers are even leaving Florida. Um, what do you think? What do you make of all of this? The, the, the debate it sp sparked in Florida, the, the disingenuous labeling of this bill as the don't say gay bill, um, the way that the teachers and parents reacted to it. Are there lessons to be learned there? How did you, you must've followed this closely. How did you oh, read the whole thing? I did. And uh, well, lesson number one, and this is why Ron DeSantis is a very effective politician. Don't back down, be confident, lay it out in terms that everyone can understand. So rather than falling into the trap of letting the media characterize what was going on, he very effectively pushed back and said, it's inappropriate to talk about sex and sexual morality and gender identity with a child in grades K through three. So that's lesson number one, be unapologetic, be unafraid and be, you know, out, out in front with your reasons, get ahead of the narrative, so to speak, and don't let them define mm -hmm. your terms. But this, the second takeaway is, boy, does this illustrate, they think our kids belong to them, mm -hmm. right? And so the slightest, the slightest indication that we are going to be gatekeepers and keep them from talking and imposing their view of sexual morality sent them into just, you Apo know. Apoplectic, right? uh, They yeah. became apoplectic. And that was because, again, going back to the the uh, what we discussed earlier, they believe that our kids are kids who exist for them to form, to be citizens in their model, according to their vision. Their values. For their and, values, yeah. their vision. So is the public school system, the government school system, is it redeemable at this point? <laughs> I, I, no, I don't think it is I, I, at this point. And so I think that's a good qualifier because it doesn't mean that we have to give up on public education. And, and maybe the distinction to make and I try to walk this line when I speak to audiences about this, is that we can approach this from two different angles. Here you are as a parent, you have your child in the public schools, what should you do? Will you be able to affect change in your child's educational lifetime? No, right? Right now, especially with the administration we have right now and with yeah. recent court decisions, with the onslaught of the media culture, right now we're in a situation where it is going to take years to walk back some of the progressive initiatives that have been mainstreamed in pub public education. And so the question parents have to ask themselves is, is this worth it? What is this doing to my child? 
how is this eroding my child's understanding of who they are, primarily as a child of God? Mm -hmm. How is this eroding their understanding of the family? How is this eroding their understanding, just basic biological reality that you're created either as male or female? Mm -hmm. Am I able to keep my child safe from someone who's pushing contraceptives or abortion or suggesting that maybe my, my daughter who has strong interests and is a strong person who's good at math, you know, maybe you're actually a boy. That's the right. kind of suggestions these kids are susceptible to. Right. So number one, you have the interests of parents, right? So I have to pay attention to what's right for my child. I can't sacrifice my child to redeem a failing public school. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, there's also an interest of justice for all of the children who are trapped in that school system. Mm -hmm. And so to that end, every single person who is engaged on the, everyone, all of us as citizens, I think, have right. a duty and to our children. as people who vote. As because, people who vote, because right? Because you vote for school board members. Right. That's really important. Right. And so the, the first thing, I think, is to bring a little bit of economic pressure, right? Mm -hmm. So there was an article in the New York Times recently about how the declining enrollment. Public mm -hmm. schools have lost 1.2 million kids since the beginning of the pandemic. That's great. Mm -hmm. That brings a little bit of economic pressure onto the public schools to say, hey, clean up your act because you don't have a captive audience and people are willing to vote with their feet, right? right. And so pay attention to what parents want because parents ultimately can move their kids, right? So that's number one. Number two, we've got to be pushing for school choice and for vouchers for these kids who are in poor neighborhoods, who are trapped in failing schools where they're not getting ahead, and um, and just to just to level the playing field, right. right? And so that's the second thing. And then number three, we've got to be demanding accountability in you know at the level of the government, and saying you know as as a a government initiative, these public schools are failing. They are failing our kids. Morally, they're failing our kids in terms of their, their formation, human formation. They're failing in terms of education. And so we, our kids deserve better. And so we've really got to hold these, these politicians accountable. It makes me crazy when you, when you hear politicians running for office, they will always try to prove that they are for the kids by saying, we need to increase funding for public education. And you know what? No. <laughs> well, that's pandering to the teachers union, right? It, it and, is. And it is. They, we need to demand results, right. right? And then if you want, if you can show that you've got results, then then we can talk about increasing your funding. Yeah. But for right now, we need to we need to demand accountability. Right. And so even people who, who don't have children or who don't have school age children anymore, everyone needs to be aware of this and involved because it, it impacts everybody down the road and even, you know, currently, but also down the road even more seriously. Yes. And I admire the parents who have been going to school board meetings who have been fighting yes. so hard to try to clean up their public school. I do think they're making a difference, maybe not in their, their school immediately, but they are making an important difference in our culture because they are, they are registering their opposition and it's waking people up. It's been it's been really just so um, so encouraging yeah. to see that. Well, thank you, Dr. Farnan, for all your work to support parents and children and their education, and for helping to edify Catholics together, so that we can together edify America. Thank you for listening. To make it easier for you to listen to future Edify podcast episodes, please make sure you subscribe over at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you.